Hello. Today, we're back talking about dreams. Everybody dreams, and I have pointed out before that daydreaming specifically is a common trait among artists. I like to think of dreams as little doors that open and close at their own convenience. It's up to us to cross the threshold or to remain standing on this side of the doorway. We will be talking about many topics that have to do with dreaming, what dreams are made of, how they influence creativity, the role memory plays in the inception of dreams, and how you can use dreams in your creative work. We will also examine works of art that had their foundation in a dream or a vision. The examples are many. To better understand the mechanism of dreaming, we will also look at dreams from different scientific perspectives, from different cultural vantage points, and in the end, we will hopefully walk away with a better understanding of how they happen. So, it is time to follow this white rabbit and see where it takes us. It will be another adventure and surely another chance to learn and be inspired. Cheers! Welcome to Six Impossible Things. The title of this section of the podcast is no understatement today. Curious might be the mildest word that I could use to describe the dream I am about to share with you. And it's not because it's frightening or anxiety-inducing, but you'll see what I mean in a minute. Before we plunge in, a quick note. My health has taken a turn for the worse in the last couple of months or so, and I've tried to continue doing what I do at the same pace as before, uh, which is somewhere along the lines of a sleepy sloth, but it's becoming increasingly difficult. You'll have to forgive me if I miss our Tuesday tea time now and then from this point on. It's not by choice, I assure you and I will be as consistent as I can. Now, let's think about the ending of Alice in Wonderland, which is a much more interesting topic, by the way. We are so very close to this final moment in the book. Alice awakes from her slumber by the riverbank. She remembers her adventures and goes on to put the lessons she has learned to good use in life, at least, that is my assumption, because uh, by this point, we cease to be witnesses to the story. Her misadventures seep into Alice's waking life and change her into a more independent, more self-possessed individual. In many ways, her dream gives her unforeseen options, I would say. The reason behind Carol's use of dreams as literary tropes has been widely discussed. I can't give you a definitive answer, and Lewis Carroll won't because he's deceased, so we're on our own. We can only, we can only speculate based on the vast amount of information gleaned from his work and his life, and we're about to do so. I would put to you that Carol was 
firmly in the grip of moral conventions of his time. And perhaps he was trying to offer an alternate way of thinking and behaving. Of course, openly proposing the swift disposal of societal norms would have been the proverbial kiss of death for his employment in Oxford. So instead, he used a decoy in the form of foolish dreams. Nobody's breaking any rules in real life. Nobody's even saying that we should attempt to do so. It just so happens to be the way things work in Wonderland. Think for a second. What do we often do when a situation is loathsome? When we feel powerless or when our lives have turned out to be something we didn't expect? We get overwhelmed? Yes, often. We get depressed? Indeed, it happens. We cry and we get angry. But we also resort to ideation as a form of escaping our reality. In one word, we take refuge in dreaming and imagination. Sometimes this approach is at the core of profound changes, and it can be the spark that ignites a new lifestyle or career. Never underestimate a dream. Before I plunge into my own dream, let's take a look at some of the themes we have been exploring throughout Alice in Wonderland. If you've followed the podcast, you might have realized that there are many references to imaginary items and characters straight from the book. I use them to link the creative world with the dream world because I believe there is quite a bit of overlap. Where should we start? Let's start with chaos. My mind and my method are pretty chaotic. I make no bones about it. Perhaps they faithfully reflect my life, which is also full of strange twists and pain. Alice is constantly confronted by chaotic situations herself. Tumbling cards, babies turning into pigs, races with no beginning and no end. You've heard it all before here. So Alice needs to learn to navigate these obstacles, much like we do as we get older in real life and adulting hits us in the face like the proverbial frying pan. Wonderland is a sort of training ground for behaving under pressure, for behaving like an adult. Interestingly, we tend to dream about difficulties much more often than about easygoing situations. I have to blame the brain's negative bias, but I am no scientist. Another thing that keeps coming up in Carol's book is the natural world. That's one of the main themes. Lewis Carroll removes all veneer of cuteness in Wonderland. Animals and even plants are sometimes rude and other times openly confrontational. They face a human without fear and on equal terms. Even the flowers challenge Alice, and she has to contend with more than one uncooperative character. Research finds that it is not unusual for children and adults to see anthropomorphic characters in their dreams. 
I have had many a conversation with dogs and other pets I used to have in my dreams, and I didn't find it particularly strange. Of course, they were lovely and well-behaved as they were in life, unlike many of Wonderland inhabitants. Think about the times you might have seen animals in your dreams. Does it happen often? Another theme is change. Long before Kafka, Carol was deeply fascinated with metamorphosis. Alice undergoes all kinds of physical changes, sometimes spontaneously and sometimes as a result of substances. More interestingly, yet more cleverly, she is developing as a person throughout the book, which is a change that everyone has in common. We all grow up. Now onto another theme, hidden meaning. Carol was into riddles and wordplay. Perhaps he saw them as an extension of his mathematical knowledge, but applied to language. Words in Wonderland can mean whatever the writer wants them to mean, and the characters often use them quite freely, relying on puns and metaphors rather than on the original sense. This linguistic mayhem is just another subverting characteristic of the land, where things are never what they seem, and everyone tells only a small part of their story. Just as in dreams, no explanations are provided, and Alice just has to get on with things and find her way through the forest of semantic duplicity. Yet another theme is memory. Ah, the stuff that dreams are made of. Lots of what happens in dreams is a reconfiguration of experiences that have left an imprint in the brain. All kinds of things, big and small, indelible and fleeting. They mix and blend to create a new story that retains the familiar flavor of waking life, minus all the constraints and the logic. Alice remembers episodes of her real life while she's in Wonderland, just like we find ourselves dreaming of landscapes or interiors or events we have previously experienced. The brain holds onto a tiny sliver of reality and then weaves a preposterous dream web all around it. Perhaps it's a strategy to lend some credibility to the dream. Perhaps it's a way to make us wonder what it all means and how we can interpret its content. I tend to believe in randomness. If real life can be unpredictable and unstable, why not a dream? We could go on dissecting Alice in Wonderland, but this is neither the place nor the time to do so. There are many, many studies out there that you can read if you are really into this kind of thing. Papers written by far more scholarly people that go into minute detail about the ins and outs of Carol's intentions and style. I won't fall down that rabbit hole because I am not equipped to get out of it unscathed. But what I can do, and it is about time, is tell you about my dream. From all the dreams I have written down in my notebook, this one is pretty recent. 
I try to scribble something down whenever I remember a dream. Sometimes that process actually accelerates the recollection and I end up with a fairly good narrative of the dream in question. Other times, it's just a sentence, something along the lines of, I was in a subway station and I can't remember anything else. Okay, so the dream today starts in a house, a decrepit interior with paint peeling from the walls. Then I am in a hallway and I see light coming out of one of the rooms. I walk in that direction and stand in the doorway. Suddenly, I am in what seems to me like a very aseptic, although old-fashioned hospital corridor. It's wide, it has tiled walls, glass double doors, all the markers of an old institutional building. I am at the end of one of the corridors. I'm not sure where I am in the building. And I hear muffled noises, people talking and some footsteps, but I, I don't see anyone else. One side of the corridor has windows and the light is filtering in. They are frameless, clear glass panes. And I look out through one of them to see the top of some trees and sunshine and people going about their business in the street. Then I turn from the window and I am, once again, inside the original room in the old house. It's a bedroom, very poorly furnished, and there's an old bed with a sagging mattress, a chair, and a dresser. Next, I am looking through the drawers of the dresser. I open each one of them and the inside is actually quite neat, surprisingly. There are some folded clothes, and I don't stop to identify what they actually are. But then I open one of the drawers and it's full of men's underwear. You know, the ordinary white kind of underpants. And I just stand there looking at them with the drawers slightly tilted towards me. I leave the drawer open. I bend down to the side and I lift a large stainless pot full of spaghetti sauce with meatballs. It's hot, steaming hot. And I pour them all over the undies and then I close the drawer. The last thing I see is a tomato sauce dripping on the floor from the bottom of the dresser. That's it. I can't remember anything else. I have no idea what it means, if it means anything at all. I was rather amused by it, actually. Not a shred of anxiety or anything, just a tale of tidy whities versus spaghetti sauce. These were the things swirling through my brain in the night. I've had worse dreams for sure, so I won't complain, but I wonder if it would have entertained Lewis Carroll as well, or if he would have been horrified at the mention of undergarments. Who knows? In any case, Call me if you wish to make a movie out of it. Instead of a bagel, a meatball. There's metaphor there somewhere, I'm sure. And there's plenty of time until the next Oscar ceremony. Join me next Tuesday when we have a brief and friendly chat with Kelly Prescott 
an amateur photographer and lover of all things art. She approaches art making with enthusiasm, curiosity, and openness. We will learn about her, the photographs she enjoys taking, and why nature is her never-ending source of inspiration. While we wait, let's enjoy a cup of tea or a cup of spaghetti sauce, and I will see you again next week. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Six Impossible Things. I hope you enjoyed it. Please join me again next week. Subscribe on your favorite app so you don't miss any episodes. And visit madcollage.com for original artwork, exclusive prints, and monthly offers. For extra goodies, please visit my Redbubble store and select your favorite merchandise. You can also help make Six Impossible Things possible with a small contribution so that I can enjoy a lovely cup of tea while I write and edit this content. Have a peaceful and creative week. Take care.